Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Tony Dudzik, Pick Guardian. Jared Brandon, down in Nashville. Hey, everybody, it's me, Tanovic. Welcome to the Guitar Knobs podcast. We are thrilled to death that you are listening to our show, the Guitar Knobs podcast. And um, we're really excited because we've got another. I love finding new people. It's like there's so many great ones out there. And for the longtime listeners, we still have lots more to explore. Uh, And this one, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, person? Well, hello. My name is Lance Gregory. I am the owner and master luthier at Rebirth Guitar Company. Excellent. And where are you calling from? We are in Denver, Colorado. Right nice. on. Now, I'm gonna. I want to get one thing just uh, out of the way real quick. I know there is another Rebirth out there. Um, and so if you're searching for Rebirth guitars, make sure you put in Rebirth Guitar Co. All right, everybody, because uh, we like to, you know, lots of people like to pull up on Instagram and see what we're talking about. So Rebirth. That is, that is correct. Yes. Rebirth Guitar Co. And uh, if you see a bunch of really wild woods and f- crazy colors and all kinds of cool stuff, you got to the right place. We all- do all sorts of really, really crazy things. Indeed. Uh, we're going to find out all about those really crazy things uh, as we proceed down the uh, rabbit hole <laughs> we call our show. <laughs> uh, so anyways, buckle up. Um, hey, and, and if we've got like first time listeners, Tony, how what can they expect? What do we do here at the Guitar Knobs? We yeah, like to talk about gear, specifically That's boutique right. gear. Even more specifically, we like to talk to the people that make this gear. Indeed. And that's stuff like guitars and amps and pedals and accessories. All the good stuff. And the movers and the shakers when we can get them. All in one place. That's right. And occasionally we do uh, what we call our 101 episodes where we learn a thing or two about stuff that we should have known. Yep. That's right. Those are Jared's favorite. Um, And, uh, yeah, we got to line up a couple more of those. uh, We've we've been talking about uh, what some of those can be. Um, And uh, so hopefully we'll be able to deliver a few more of those your way very soon. That'll be fun. All right. Just a couple of quick announcements. Uh, We need to thank Road Mics for uh, providing our fantastic audio equipment and keeping us going uh, years later. Yeah. It's, It's like this stuff is brand new. Yeah, because no we keep problems. it indoors mostly. But well, yeah, I wouldn't use these outdoors no. uh, or, or store them outdoors. Them. I should say. Yeah. Um, so uh, we have. Uh, I, I I also wanted to bring up really quick. Uh, Tony, do you have anything? Yeah, I wanted to say hi to Nick down at Road in Australia. Perfect, perfect. Uh, Jared, did you have any uh, announcements? Um, nah. Okay. <laughs> um, well, I had one, and it is. Uh, now, I, I don't typically do this up front, but it's kind of a, there's a lot of movement trying to get this thing going. Um, we were scheduled to, the, my band, the Valentinos, was scheduled to play at a really, um, I guess, semi-famous club here uh, up towards Cleveland in the Canton area at uh, Buzzbin. And mm. unfortunately, Buzzbin is no longer, but we found that out well after the show was booked. Um, uh, and we are part of a tour called the Lightning and Thunder Tour. 
and we're playing with uh, Makes My Blood Dance, which is a band out of uh, uh, New York and uh, several others. And there we're going to be just just uh, on the outskirts of Cleveland on August 25th. And if you are anywhere near there, I would love to have you come and check us out. I would love to meet you. So please, 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 um, if you're interested in that, you can contact me directly. Uh, we'll also have things available on the Villantino's Instagram. So, um, yeah, love to see you. you I'd love to meet you in person. Coming to Nashville? Uh, at the moment, uh, we're trying to go we're trying to get down to the cobra and natural i'd love to play the cobra and also hey if anybody's listening and you know me and you know our music and you're like we'd love to have you come play with us and anywhere please let me know okay i'll try to gather everybody i know down here if you i know you would down here i will I, I, I will try to make that happen yeah, um there's two really, two really great clubs right there near uh, vanderbilt u oh yeah yep yeah, I'm not. I'm not as familiar with them. All I know is the Cobra. There's one or kind two of a, great places here. Oh, I know, I know. But yeah. the ones that I'm most familiar with. You're right. You're right. The In and right. Out. Have you been down there yet, Jared? The In and I, pro- I may have. I don't remember. Yeah, okay. I don't know. I sorry. We played at a cool place uh, by Eastside Music Supply. Oh yeah. There. I mean, we didn't play there. We watched a couple bands. Anyways, yeah. this isn't this isn't the Valentinos podcast. This is a guitar and hops podcast. I want to talk more about the Valentinos. Well, I'd well, love to as well, but we don't have to because you know. Um, <laughs> but you can go listen to us on Spotify. All right. Uh, so let's see here. Uh, this week, let's talk about what we have going on in our music worlds this week. We're going to start off with Tanya Bolanski sitting mm. across from me. Then yes. we're going to check in with our friend Lance Gregory all the way over in Denver, Colorado. Okay? Okay. Do it. Well, you know, Todd, the last time we got together, we had a, oh, I guess a little bit of an extended play uh, discussing the new Guild Surfliner, mm-hmm. which is a uh, new model that Guild released uh, back in June. And it's kind of a, you know, uh, it's their foray into, I guess, kind of a surfy kind of bolt neck, kind of longer scale uh, fender-y thing. Um, And it's actually, um, as we discussed, a really, I mean, the street price on these things is $449. And uh, they they list at six something. Six twenty is website. what they list at, and they're four forty nine just about everywhere you look. Okay, and um, they're uh, it's a really cool guitar. It's inexpensive. It's got some really nice pickups. Um, it just so happened that I made a call to my buddy over at Guild and uh, arranged to have one sent to me, and uh, it is sitting here in the nice. studio right now. And uh, I've had a chance, it just literally arrived yesterday, and uh, I had a chance to run it through a little bit of a of a of a of a showdown but uh it's it's a really interesting it's a big departure for guild I will say that um, but uh, the pickups are actually pretty good um, the uh, the body design is not quite a jazz mastery it's a little bit smaller um, and it's uh you know, I got the uh, the white sage one, which is kind of a, a very pale, minty color, minty gray. And uh, overall, I mean, just for the first couple of days here, I am just, uh, I, I'm pretty impressed. Um, I also brought to the studio a comparable instrument. It came out, it's a reissue uh, from a few years ago. Uh, call it, they called it the Jetstar, and it's basically a take on a, a model that they made back in the 60s. 
Now, this one is a set neck. Um, it's got, you know, a little different pickup configuration, but it has the same headstock, which is six in line. And Guild only used that headstock for a very brief period of time in the 1960s. Uh, but they did bring it out um, on both of these models, as well as a, uh, uh, a Starfire model. Uh, so I think it's kind of cool, and it's it's yeah, you know it's it's, it's great looking. They're, it's they're, different. They're awesome. I mean, it, you couldn't you know you can't hold it up to a Fender and say, oh, that looks exactly like a Fender. No, it it's, looks like an amount. It looks like a boutique guitar because most boutique guitars. Now this is okay. This is a dangerously sweeping statement, but the beauty of boutique guitars is they have the ability to kind of you know take influences from lots of different things and create their own. Mm -hmm. And this is in effect what they've done. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's a, it's a great little guitar. Yeah. And I think, you know, it puts it in the price range of a lot of, uh, of, uh, of squires and, and some other lower end instruments. And it's unique looking. And it's, yeah, it's different. So it's not just a cheap Strat or a cheap Tele. Yeah. It is a unique guitar and it's got three nice pickups in it. And uh, it, it's overall pretty cool. So I'm going to run it through its paces again a little bit. I'm going to let you take it oh, home with yeah. you, try it out, awesome. see what you think. And, uh, you know, if anybody else out there is interested or has one, uh, let's, let's, let's talk it up and see what... It's the, cool because it is a highly... Both of those are highly customizable. Yes. Oh, yeah, because that's one thing I... The first thing... One of the first things I did is I lifted the pick guard off. And it is... Uh, it has a swimming pool route underneath mm -hmm. the guard which means so you can get rid of that you can, useless middle pickup if you don't want it. <laughs> but you can put whatever t in theory whatever pickups you want in there because it's routed out you know like a big rectangle underneath the guard so many many different uh pickup uh configurations are possible wow that's nice cool. all right let's go to lance gregory from rebirth guitar company hello Hi. How are you today? <laughs> What's new in your music week this world? Oh, yes. my goodness. So many things. So many things. You know, remember, um, we're going to do the whole interview later. So this is, you know, pick something easy and lightweight. Um, working on guitars mostly. Um, that's what I get to do all day, pretty much all night. I'm a workaholic, so. Hmm, I can relate. If I'm, if I'm not in the shop, I'm uh, just hanging out with my fam. That's cool. That's cool. Um, anything, uh, in any, pick out a singular, singularly interesting thing that, that has happened in the shop, uh, this week. A singularly interesting thing that happened in the shop this week. Um, I had to dye a, like a rainbow guitar, like a pink and purple and blue guitar. Wow. That, um, I, I do a lot of dyeing on guitars, but this one was really extreme and way outside of something that I would do normally. Um, so, yeah, it's a pretty fantastic. It came out really, really, really well. Um, I posted it on Instagram, oh, I believe, last week. And, um, yeah, I've been working on that pretty much all day. Is, is, um, that, a, is that a highly difficult method um, with, with the, the blending of the colors or being mindful of that? Depending on the colors, for sure. Um, if the colors are, like, right next to each other in the color wheel, they tend to blend into each other really well. But when they're like on opposite ends of this color wheel, like on this particular guitar, I have like pink right up against black. Oh my. And pink is not a very strong color and black is an extremely strong color. And as far as dyes go, mm -hmm. so it's really, really hard to get those to contrast and to fade into each other really well. 
so yeah it took a lot of time and a lot of patience and uh yeah the top is quilted maple and the back is mahogany and the mahogany does not it's like a red color yeah and the quilted maple is like a white color um so they don't look the same so trying to make them look fairly similar is quite the task I can imagine. I can imagine. Yes, and uh, yeah, that's just uh, one of one of several things going on in the shop this week. That, that was just today's work. That's cool. Thanks for sharing, man. All right, let's hear what Jared's got going in his music world. First of all, very bummed that I missed the last episode. Our, our air conditioning went out, so it was extremely hot upstairs. So James Pennington, I'm sorry, buddy. Um, I, I did write him a a message. Good, good, uh, good. I, I'm, I've already been connected with James. We've had good conversation before. So, yeah. Um, <clears throat> anyhow, uh, I met a new friend. Uh, he was he's a friend of my dad's best friend that uh, my dad grew up with, and uh, I'm glad he's still around. But he, when I moved to Nashville, he said, "Hey, you gotta uh, get a hold of my friend Mark and just go have lunch with him and and meet and have a good time." And so. And I uh, message, I texted him. I said, "Hey, just to let you know, I'm six foot six and like, you know, three hundred and forty pounds. Just so, you know, just so that doesn't take you by surprise." <laughs> and of course, he was like, "Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah you are a big guy, you know." Um, but he's he's got an interesting story. He uh, started out uh, in bands and and then he had a uh, a recording studio off to the side and. So he worked this little recording studio, and he also played live on the weekends. Um, eventually, he focused more on the studio, and he was getting small studio gigs like recording music that you would play on hold. When you call a corporation, there's on hold music. Well, Mark was um, producing that. And he, over time, he became more of a producer and didn't even record music anymore. He just put together on hold music and uh, that has evolved. He's done very well for himself and he has a huge account with like UPS and uh, big corporate accounts like that. So I, it was really interesting to meet him, how he started out with music and has a highly successful business. Well, it and just goes to show you, you don't have to be the big rock star or the big country no, star he, to make a living. And it. nobody knows who the guy is. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes that's bad. He said he dabbled in reselling a lot of guitars too. Like he said that Fender had a lot of B stock and they sold it to this company in Nashville. And he knew the guy, he, the guy was a client of his. So he started buying, you know, Fender would get rid of that stuff for 10%. He would buy the stuff at, you know, 60 or 70% and there was still meat on the bone. And he, he had over 300 guitars at one time and then he just sold them all on eBay. It took him 13 years to sell them all. We're going to get together and have lunch again and hopefully uh, he'll be a new jam buddy, you know? That's cool. How about you, Todd? Well, let me tell you. Um, so I've got this great uh, Marshall Origin amp that i've been playing and i really really dig it uh i am very i'm speculating on the speaker choice within it and i did replace the one in my combo amp with a um uh warehouse guitar speakers um uh invader and uh i think what i'm gonna do is i think if i put two invaders so the cabinet that i got for this is a 212 cabinet 
I'm concerned that if I put two invaders, it's going to sound too invadery. Uh, so I think what I am going to do is um, actually put in a warehouse invader as well as a warehouse ET65. What is an ET65? An e well, an ET65 is uh, it's it's a little bit more of a flatter tone to it, and and the brights the it's a little it's a little bit brighter, but it's not overly bright. Is I, it a ceramic magnet or Elmeco? Ceramic. So you're going to have two ceramic magnets. I was trying to mix tones, not necessarily magnets. Enlighten <laughs> me, brother man. Well, I... Uh, Elmico speakers work differently than ceramic speakers. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I think, in, in my opinion, this is strictly my opinion, um, I think having one of each actually makes for a much more interesting uh, cabinet especially if it's a 212. Mm -hmm. um, but that being said, there's a lot of companies um, that, you know, have, have done nothing but sometimes mixing or matching uh, ceramic speakers in a 2x12. And I, I think you'd be okay to do that. Mm -hmm. um, but if you can find... Uh, two speakers that have maybe, you know, maybe one of the speakers has a slightly uh, lower bass response, uh, different mid-peak, things like that. And, I, and, and the guitar uh, warehouse speaker guys can, I, I'm sure, guide you through. Tell them what you want right. to do. I would give them a call and just say, hey, here's what I want to do. I want to go for something that really kind of fills out the spectrum. And uh, I'm sure that they can they can they can steer you in the right direction. I will have to do that. Um, that's my suggestion. Yeah, well, th I appreciate that, and that's why you know that's why we talk about these things on the on this show. Yeah, for that very reason. Um, I hadn't even really considered that, even though we've talked about that many times. Um, now, the other part of that is, if you're at a live show, which of the speakers do you mic? Well. I would like to be able to mic both of them. Okay. Well, you could do that. I can because I'm the only guitar player, so I'm going to look, say, look, chump. No, I always I like our sound guys. I always try to make friends with the sound guys, but I would I would definitely uh, mic both of them. Hmm. Well, anyways, we'll get it. We, it, we I'll, I can solve that later, but I appreciate that. The, the only downside of getting an Alnico is that then, yeah, your cost goes like pretty, pretty, pretty high. So, yeah. you know. I mean, it's uh, it's uh, you almost have to hear it with your own ears, I guess, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and that's what I've always. I mean, I've always mixed an Alnico in a in a ceramic. Like in my my Z Best, I have a Alnico Gold, a Celestian, and then I have a UK Greenback, uh, and I think that combination covers the spectrum a little bit better. I just don't know that I'm. Ready to drop that kind of money? Well, on, then don't on this then don't do just it. Yet. Just but. call those guys and tell them what you're trying to do, yeah. what your what your rig is, mm -hmm. and I'm sure they'll. They may say just use two of the same speaker. Well, I'm also very curious to know the difference between like what these speakers sound like in a, in a fully closed back, because it's a closed back cabinet, mm -hmm. as opposed to my combo, which is a mm. kind of a semi closed back. Yeah. So I don't know how different it will that's sound. going to that's going to sound, sound different. So, anyways, yeah. curious. Curious to see what happens. Um, hey. So that's what I got. Hey, Todd. Yes, Tony. You know, I was at the shop today. Yeah. And I'm testing out all kinds of crazy things. Uh -huh. In fact, I, I've got some new pedals that I was testing out. Ooh. 
And uh, there's one very secret one that Mr. Esterly brought to me. Oh, very cool. Ooh. But I can't go in to tell you I, any more about I it. I won't beg. How'd, how'd you hook those up? I used my secret supply of tour gear design patch cables. Well, that's a good idea. You know why? Because they work well. They work well. Because they're small. They're small. Yeah. They have little teeny tiny things that plug in. Yeah. And the cables are flat. They're flat. They're very flat. And they yeah. come in black. Millions, millions of sizes. Yes, lots and That's lots right. of sizes. All the sizes that you need. And the and all the right. sizes you don't need actually. Some too. that you never knew yeah. that you needed. Um W shape. W shape, yes. That's my that's yeah. my patented one. They they haven't that's made right. that yet. So uh why don't you go over to tourgearddesigns.com and be like Tony. Be like me. And Jared and myself. And when you when you put all the cables that you're gonna get into And you're the, gonna get the, a bunch of shopping them. cart. You're gonna get a bunch of them. Drop you may as well. the guitar knobs in the coupon code. You're gonna save ten percent on your order, okay? All one word. Do it. All lowercase. Save an extra ten percent. Yep. And they get to you in Real a heartbeat. Quick. That's right. Thank you so much to Tour Gear Designs for sponsoring our four on the floor. Jared? Let me get a little bit of this. One, two, one, two, three, four on the floor. All right. Lance Gregory from Rebirth Guitar Company out in Colorado. Tell us your four on the floor. Oh, geez. My four on the floor. I definitely have to have a volume pedal. I definitely have to have a delay pedal. Let's give give us a, give us that uh, the details on the volume pedal. One what is your volume pedal of choice? I like that big old fat green alligator one, um, just because I can see it when I'm kind of blind and don't wear my glasses on stage because I like to go crazy. Yeah. So and it's been a few years since I've been on stage. So um, yeah, I don't I don't get to participate as much as everybody else does in this awesome conversation, <laughs> but. Um, Definitely for a delay. You know, I was always a big fan of the uh, Line 6 made a big green delay pedal mm -hmm. um, that I really, really enjoyed. Um, I had a lot of other pedals, but that one was my go-to. The DL4 tour. is a big one, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I had that. Um, I, I have to have... Well, my tube screamer. Hang on, real quick. Uh, but the 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 little the alligator pedal. Um, Tony and I both went like, "What's that?" And that's actually made by Morley. Yes, the Morley one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That is correct. Yeah. How old is that? And when did that come out? Ancient. Ancient. I have no idea. Um, I've um, I've had several of them over the years. Um, it's got to be from the looks of it. It looks like a big old '80s pedal. Yeah, um, sounds about right. <laughs> I've, had, I've had some seventies Morley pedals. I had that can, uh, the oh, oil can, yeah, the oil can, can one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Some other, so I was like alligator. I'm like, yeah, this no, is not this talking is, about Morley. This is the black one with the uh, the wide footprint, the the base. It actually has yeah, a yeah, base. Yeah, yeah. I got that's that's cool. Yeah, and what I love about it is that I can see it while I'm rocking out, I know where it's going to be. If I miss it a little bit when it's really important, like it's going to still work and my foot's still going to hit the pad. Yeah. So for me, having that big one for that particular pedal was always a really, really good benefit. Yeah. You could uh, actually get a little bit of a uh, acrylic paint there and just put here. 
<laughs> yeah, push right on on it. <laughs> Stomp. I still I still wouldn't see it though. I, yeah. I would still be like, what does that say? Well, why am I getting distracted? Yeah, exactly. And then um and then you, you said so you you mentioned the uh you mentioned the Line Six DL4. Now they 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 just released that, re-released it. Oh, did they? Yeah, they did. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's that's a fantastic little pedal that I've I always had a great time with it. Yeah. Um. Oh, I mean, they were cheap. They were replaceable. Um, back in the tour days when I would be all over the place. Some pedals are really hard to find unless you're in the right spot at the right time. And uh, I always tended to go for pedals that I could kind of find on the fly if I needed to. Um, and that was definitely one of those ones. I went through a couple of them because um, I'm, not, I'm not nice to pedals. Yeah. I can well it you you you've got a couple of tanks in there so far. So what comes after that? Um I got to have I got to have my tube screamer man. Um you got I feel in a green theme here. Oh, and it's funny cuz I green is like my least favorite color. It's I but I can see it on stage very easily. Um I it tends to it tends to catch my eye for some reason, so I maybe that's why. Don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and um, um but gotta gotta have that tube screamer yep. and then um you know i gotta have a little bit of distortion and um the one that i'm using right now is um it's a clone pedal from chicago stomp works okay and it's an 80s rat clone um the r-a-t-t the rats like the band and it was a um, pretty pretty nasty aggressive overdrive very dirty um and i've always just really liked it a lot so i had a a clone made of it um and it's a, it's actually a double pedal it's uh on one side it's got the rat clone uh-huh. and on the other side it's got uh an 808 clone of the ibanez tube screamer so oh, um, wow. i don't so it's kind of two pedals in one so i don't yeah. have to really like do a whole bunch of pedals anymore um, so didn't, that's, that's kind of my one. And that's Chicago stomp works. Didn't we run into those guys up at the, when, when we did the Chicago show that one year? I'm trying to remember seem if to we remember did or those, not. Those guys were there. Uh, I don't know. I, I can't, I don't recall if we ran into them. I, wait, yeah, actually I feel like we did because yeah. they had the, ver, it's, it's the vermin, uh, is, is the mist, um, Mr. Vermin. Yeah. I, I do think that we did because they uh, the other one was the gray spec. Yeah. I think I remember seeing that one. So yeah, um, they were actually just started. And they've added quite a few pedals since then. They have. That's a kind of an old one, um, but uh, w- one that I had kind of custom made for me. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, I, I love it. I love it. Um, it's a little pedal. Doesn't have a lot of uh, super affordable to pedals it. too, man. Yeah, super super affordable. I like affordability. Um, you know, and it's, uh, it was an all metal case, really rugged design and construction. Cause I beat the crap out of that thing. Yeah. Um, and it's still going strong to this day. So, um, That's cool. I do have to say, I, I really like the construction the tone of it. Um, it's, uh, the rat clone is really, really close to my rat. Nice. Um, yeah. So it's, it's really cool. So now I just got to two pedals, you know, basically in one, um, I like minimal, stuff in front of me um i'm not a huge like pedal board guy 
Mm-hmm. I have a pretty small pedal board, so um, anything that I can do to minimize that even more, I like. Well, it's a lot smaller with with those other ones on it. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Yeah, I got these really massive pedals, so you know you end up with the same size pedal board, but like three massive pedals. Yeah. Yeah, I will also say um, uh, I, I do have like a fifth one that I can't. I have to do like an honorable mention. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Because um, I'm a big fan of the uh, the the Strymon. Uh, I believe it's a, the Big Sky. Oh yeah. Yep. Um, that is that is truly one of my all time favorite pedals. Um, I don't use it a lot because I'm not a pedal guy, but uh, man, do I sure love that pedal. Well, I mean, that's been mentioned on our four on the floor so many times. So you're in good company. Good. good. Yeah. Also a big pedal. Yeah. Little pedal board. But, you know, (laughs) it's a, it's really expensive pedal. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I I don't like spending a ton of money on gear. If I can get by with uh, something that's a little less expensive, I am going to try to do that. Yeah. Oh, that makes Um, sense. It's what got me into guitar building in the first place. So you can see how that worked out. Yeah. Well, I think that's a perfect segue. You've mentioned some great pedals, um, but this show's all about learning more about what you do and uh, your the guitars that you make. Um, I, I'll just uh, kind of give us a little bit of an intro here. Um, I, we had actually a couple people say, hey, you need to check these guys out and like we say all the times, like hey, I'm, I look at Instagram honestly. It's ridiculous how much I'm on it, and you know, just trying to find new, new things, new, new brands, new gear, and stuff like that. Um, and someone said, "Hey, you need to check out Rebirth Guitar Co. They're out of Colorado. They're making some really cool stuff." And um, I think. Uh, you know, so I was like, yeah, absolutely. I'll check it out. And, uh, did, and, uh, had a great call with you, um, right out of the gate. I was like, this is a super nice dude, which makes so much difference when you are spending money, when you are shopping something out, when you're trying to make a big decision, like a guitar and you can actually talk to the person who's building your thing. And they're a nice, you're a nice dude, you know? And, and we got along really well. I was like, this is the kind of person that you'd want to sit down and say, yeah, man, tell me what you want. Let's do it. So I was really encouraged by that. And, uh, and especially having checked out uh, a lot of the guitars that you have on Instagram, you're, you're, uh, you definitely like to experiment with wood. Why don't you tell us about uh, right out of the gate, like let's get into some of the, where you got into the wild wood thing. Sure. Um, well, first off, thank you for the wonderful compliments. Sure. Um, I got, you know, I kind of fell into this by accident. Um, so I used to be a professional touring musician um, for many years. And I used to do a lot of recording for other artists and writing songs and stuff. And uh, after like four years of that nonstop, I got really tired of that and uh, just kind of quit and needed something else to do. So I decided to like, like build a parts caster, you know, like. And everybody else, and I just uh, I got hooked instantaneously. I was like, "Well, this is the coolest thing. I want to do it for real. Like, I want to start getting all the tools together and trying to figure out how to build one from scratch." And so that's kind of where I began. 
Um, and that was in uh, 2016. I've only been doing it for a few years now. Um, as far as my love of wood, um, man, I just, I love trees. I think they're the coolest thing on the planet. Um, the more I learn about them, the cooler You're obliged they are. to say that living in Colorado, I believe. <laughs> you know, it's funny. We're like, a, you know, mostly treeless in a lot of ways. We have a lot of dead pine trees and a, a lot of dead ash trees. Hmm. So, you know, that's always fun. But, um, you, you know, as I started exploring wood and all of its capabilities and stuff, I really started to really hone in on really cool looking pieces of wood and trying to kind of uh, use my mind's eye, if you will, to kind of see what it would look like when I cut it open and um, kind of book match the top. So book matching is a process of kind of slicing the wood in half and then opening it up like a book. Mm-hmm. So all of the grain and all of the structures of the wood are kind of mere images of each other, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't always work out that way, but you're always trying for that. <laughs> and uh, it's a huge process. We use a lot of reclaimed wood. So like a lot of this wood that we use is like destined for the wood chipper. Um, in Colorado, we have really extreme climate and it does not fare well for most trees. We have heavy winds huge wet storms and trees break here a lot and most of them just end up in the wood chippers um or in the dump so um i started exploring kind of cutting these big logs into slabs and uh and kind of going that route of taking wood that's really wood that's really unwanted and bringing it back to life and since it was kind of a new version of me, since I'm not a musician like that I was before, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Rebirth kind of just came to mind, and voila, that's kind of how it all happened. That's a great story, man. Um, I appreciate you sharing that, and also that that uh, knocks down another question of how did you get to the name Rebirth Guitar Co. Um, now, I do have a, you know, as we're talking about the wood up there, I you know, when we're talking about guitars, wood seems to be one of the things that is just like, oh, yeah, you use this wood or that wood, and I can get it from anywhere that I can order wood and anywhere around the world, blah, blah, blah. Somebody like you, who's finding indigenous wood more often than not, I would imagine. It, yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah. We, we do a lot. Um, we do also other stuff, too, like quilted maple is a highly regulated tree. Uh-huh. Um, you have to win a lottery and be one of the licensed millers in order just to cut it. So, um, that one comes from a well-trusted source Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, one that I know it's going to be well taken care of other things like roasted maple, um, that I use for a lot of necks. Um, I get that from one guy in Canada Mm. and, uh, he literally is a logger. That's what his job is. Um, and he finds good trees and, and um, saves them for himself and makes them into guitar decks that's, for me and that's awesome. a lot of other people. So, well, to the to the wood that you don't uh, have to get from out of Colorado, um, I I don't know much about um, you know I guess what are the indigenous species are in different states other than kind of like the super duper obvious ones, but in Colorado are do you have trees that, that are like, yeah, you know, if it, it's special cause it's from here cause it kind of only grows here. 
Well, there's only a few trees that grow here um, natively. Um, obviously, there's several species of pine trees that grow up in the mountains. On the plains, there was not a whole lot before the cities were kind of uh, started. Mm-hmm. There was mostly cottonwood trees, which is uh, kind of related to poplar. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a big, giant tree. generally grows kind of by creek beds or creek sides. Um, but as Europeans started slowly progressing this way, they brought a lot of invasive species. And well, we have a ton of invasive species of trees. Uh, things like the Russian olive um, is a really, really bad tree here. And uh, you can't even plant them here. You have to, uh, you have to have them cut down if they get too big. They're they're really really squirrely trees. Not fun. Big thorns on them. Um, and there's there's several of those um, places like Denver. Uh, we are a big sprawling suburb city, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, we have suburbs everywhere, and people have planted ornamental trees. They've planted trees that aren't supposed to grow here and maybe can't really tolerate a high wind or a really dry, hot soil or climate. So those trees kind of fall down after about 20, 30, 50 years. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they, they have to get, you know, taken out and removed. So there's tons of species of trees here in Denver. Um, Denver is considered kind of one urban forest. And I think one of the largest urban forests in the world. So there were no trees here before. And, now no, there's there like millions of trees. Yeah. Yeah. That's our, wild. Our most predominant tree is the ash tree. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do a lot of a lot of northern ash. Very, very heavy wood. Not not my favorite. <laughs> does it have good figuring? It does. It does. Um mostly because if it if it's uh stressed at all during its life, yeah. Um it's gonna grow in a very ununiform way, mm-hmm. uh, and we live in a stressful climate, so there's always a lot of really cool grain in the woods. That's a here. good point. That's a good point. Yeah, you know, I w- I will say, you know, there, there's an awful lot of people that uh, make guitars out of exotic woods and stuff, um, and I think one of the things that Tony and I, as we looked through, uh, you, you know, we we're spending some time just before the show and and previously after i said hey you should come on the show um you know as we were looking at them you know we kept we kept holding them up and went, well look at this one look at this one and i think that uh says a lot because it's one thing to say oh, i've got this super exotic wood but you're doing i think you have a, a really good eye in catching unique aspects of that wood it isn't just simply you're not just simply just the go-to matchbook you are you're finding different oddities and, and interests in in the wood that make it into your design complemented by some of the you know the paint and the and the the dyes that you're using oh i thank you very much that was that was a very very nice compliment um yeah you know i'm a kind of a bit of a nerd so like i really like to study things and i got a bit of a hyper uh, attention so I can really focus for long hours on really random things that most people wouldn't really like. So I, I dive down a lot of different types of rabbit holes. And, um, as I start looking at grain and stuff, I start looking for the cool stuff, you know, like I want something that's cool looking, you know, not just like a regular boring old piece of wood, you know? Yeah. And most of those, most of all of that good stuff is on a piece of wood that looks like junk. 
like when you see it, it looks like it's half rotten, big old knots and gross things everywhere. And you're like, that that's not going to work good for you. <laughs> you yeah. should really try something more stable. And, um, you know, over time, um, we, we've had to fight a lot of pieces of wood to make them guitars because a lot of these pieces of woods that we use, uh, they don't want to really work. They have a lot of stress still built up inside the pieces of wood, uh-huh. especially the burls. Yeah. Um, and they don't want to play nice. So you fight them from the beginning, you, from the beginning to the end, they will fight you. <laughs> yeah. Takes a lot of blood, sweat, and tears sometimes to get these things to really come out the way that they do. And, um, yeah, and it's really difficult to find the right spot, you know, on the piece of wood. To be like, hey, that's a guitar. This is not. You know, <laughs> like, like it's really hard to decide. So I spend hours and hours just kind of looking and moving things a little bit and then moving it back and being like, oh, I kind of liked it better where it was. And, you know, um so I do that a lot. <laughs> so how much of, of the wood that you're going through uh, do you reject or it, do you reject any of it? Well, you know, not much. Um, you know, there's always waste involved. Um, but I try to I try to minimize the amount of waste. Um, so like for a lot of the body woods that we use, um, I use a lot of orchard cherry, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of like a more it's kind of a little bit more sustainable alternative to alder. Mm-hmm. Um, they're in the same family, but it's a much prettier wood. Um, tad heavier. It has all the same tonal qualities to it that alder does. Mm-hmm. And um, it comes from orchards. It's the same cherries that you get from the grocery store. Huh. And cher- cherry trees stop producing cherries as they get older. So they have to remove them from the orchard and plant new ones. There's pills for that. So, <laughs> yeah, so you're use you know you're kind of reusing the same piece of land. You're not deforesting areas. You know, I mean, you are, but you're not. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're not directly responsible for it. And you know, I think we all need to be a little bit more earth conscious. And uh, so I think uh, something like orchard cherry is a really good alternative. So how big uh, of of logs? How wide of logs can you get from an orchard cherry? Well, generally speaking, they're about. 12 to 15 inches oh. wide um, at, at the thickest point. Um, your average guitar is about that, you know, so you can get one-piece bodies. Nice. Um, I generally prefer a two-piece body, um, mostly for stability. I think it looks better. Uh, you get more character in the wood, um, and there's less likely a chance of it warping on you later in life. Mm. Yeah. As wood doesn't, like, it never dies. It moves all the time. How how wide did you say they were? They can get about 15 inches wide, um, sometimes bigger. It just depends on the orchard and how well managed yeah. it is. So you know, so yeah, yeah, and, and they have great figure. They look beautiful. If you look at um, on our Instagram, we post like a lot of the backs of guitars as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, you can see Orchard Cherry. I just posted a like this fire fade one that goes from like a red to a yellow uh-huh. as it goes from the base. And uh, the back of that one is Orchard Cherry. Okay. okay. And that's a fantastic looking wood. Really, really pretty. Has that nice. same kind of honey blonde color that Alder does. So, really cool. Yeah. Are you doing uh, uh, any, uh, like, chambering or, you know, weight relief on, on <clears throat> some of the woods? Or the yeah, if we've requested or if I feel like the guitar might be too heavy based on um, how dense the piece of wood is. 
So for a lot of these woods, the more figured they are, so like the more crazy stuff they have going on, generally the heavier they are. Mm -hmm. So yeah, sometimes we will definitely chamber them. And uh, yeah, but a lot of times we don't have to. Um, Most of the guitars that we've been doing recently fall within the five pound range for a body. Okay. um, Which is quite average and equals about a seven to eight pound guitar at the end of the day. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, I usually figure anything under nine pounds is pretty comfortable. Okay. And on your necks, are you using primarily uh, maple? Um, depending on the customer. Um, my personal choice is always going to be roasted maple. Um, it's beautiful. It, it's beautiful. Um, being roasted or torrified, um, it kind of melts the, the sugar crystals inside the wood. Um, so most all of this is what we call rock maple or sugar maple, same place that you get your maple syrup from. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the wood is just really high in sugars. And when you melt those at a certain temperature, uh, they will recrystallize in the pores of the wood and make it rock hard and really lightweight. So you don't get bad neck dive. Um, Why does it make they, it lightweight? Um, because you've sucked up all of the water, like Ah. all of it has been baked out. So there's literally like no moisture left in it. So it's a very stable piece of wood. It's basically like it's air dried for 30 years. Right. You know, but it's, uh, it hasn't. (laughs) Final question on the wood, the fingerboard. What are you using for that? That depends. That's the one contention, um, in, in guitar making that, um, I have yet to be able to solve. Uh, things like an ebony fretboard just look amazing, and it, there's not really like uh, a local or a or even like a, a anything in the United States. You know, there's no domestic product that's really close to that that's not like fake. So we do use a lot of ebony. Um, so that's the only thing that's really unfortunate. I do make sure that I get it from a CITES registered source, um, so that those trees have been licensed and cut down ethically and not using child labor and crazy things like that. Yeah. Um, right. Cause it's pretty, it's pretty bad in a lot of countries. Um, we use a lot of pale moon ebony, uh, which we get uh, sourced directly from Java, Indonesia. And, um, that tree is very, uh, that's endemic to like one Island in Indonesia. Wow. Um, they've, they've planted it in other places and now there's plantations, um, kind of like on the mainland, if you will. But, um, yeah, that's, that's a very, very rare piece of wood. And, uh, I make sure to get it from a source that is well trusted and is not getting it. Um, you know, uh, it's not poaching the right. wood. Right. Are, are you opposed to using, uh, like composite type boards or, or like, I guess, non- exotics no no i'm not opposed to it at all uh there's things like rich light mm-hmm. um which is a kind of a, a product but um you know them versus the the ebony yeah there's um, manufactured they're ebony product. boards yeah, yeah. They're, they're fantastic and they're definitely like the way of the future so yeah um at this point in time we we still use ebony um i use a lot of b-grade ebony which is uh, has a lot more figure in it because mm-hmm. I like I like crazy and interesting pieces of wood. Right. Um, and uh, most of the B grade stuff nobody wants because it's kind of brown and not solid black. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that ends up going in the fire pit. So 
Um, I like to pick the ones that are kind of destined for the fire pit. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Any chance I get. Nice. Uh, I think uh, we got a big question from our buddy Jared across the uh, across the states. All right, bring it to me. Oh uh, yeah. Um, so you got these beautiful exotic wood guitars, you know? Uh, what are you using to power the sound? Like, what what's your uh, choice of pickups? Who do you go to? Oh man, we're we're vendors for a ton of different pickup companies. Um, a couple local guys here in town that make really fantastic pickups. My number one and number two is Lindy Fralin Pickups. Mm. Um, He's going to be on Lindy, the show next week. Lindy is an amazing guy. Tell Lindy that Lance says hi from Rebirth Guitar Company. I, I haven't talked to him in a couple months because he was oh, at me. You're on the phone forever with him. Oh, yes. Yeah, I talk to Lindy pretty regularly. Um, yeah. He's a really upstanding guy. I order a lot of pickups from him. Uh, we also use a lot of Fishman Pickups. Um, Fishman is a really really great pickup in my opinion um they're really versatile and do lots of cool things um but we also have to kind of do what the customer wants so not every customer wants those things so obviously we do a lot of teamwork yeah yeah but if it's my choice or if like the customer wants a recommendation from me i'm lindy fralin is going to be my top choice Mm. for anything uh, that's not metal. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just the best These They really take their time. They're always such an articulate pickup with such a great sound. My favorite ones are the, uh, Oh, he has the, uh, I forget what they're called all of a sudden. Uh, the split rail pickups, which are kind of like a noiseless single coil. Mm-hmm. And they sound really, really good. I have them in my personal build and, uh, yeah, they're just fantastic. So those are my top two for sure. But um, like I said, we use everything. Yeah. That's, that's uh, yeah, you, and there's a lot to choose from out right now. And um, it, it's funny that you mentioned him because um, we've been trying to get Lindy on for a while and uh, actually just solidified that with him this week. Um, so we're going to have a little test run this weekend and just have a chat over the phone and, uh, make sure everything is all good. And he's excited to come on. We're excited to have him. It should be a good time. That's awesome. They've really grown. Um, like they, 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 I'm constantly, um, parading their name any chance I get. If I see something on Facebook or Insta, it's like, Hey, what pickup should I use? I'm always like, Fraylin. <laughs> so, <laughs> Now the pickups that you were talking about the uh, the split the split blade is that is that yes. what they are? yeah the split blade yeah um, they have like two blades that come down um, they're a noiseless pickup um, noiseless single coil uh-huh. and uh ooh, they are very articulate and very single coily um, they're you know like the Fender noiseless ones get a lot of beef because they're really dull they don't really have a lot of life you know they tend to be a little muddy. Um, but these ones are not, uh, these ones are really clear and articulate and I get plenty of strat sounds. I'm a, I like chicken picking. I like doing a lot of honk and quack. So, mm-hmm. uh, any chance I get to do those things and a guitar that'll do them for me, I love. That's um, cool. yeah. And what? the fact that they're, that I don't have to like turn down my volume instantaneously just to stop that 60 cycle hum. Ugh, that's, it's pretty good for me. Yeah. Hey, Jared, um, from a pickup builder's standpoint, 
Can you explain a little bit um, what exactly the split is doing? Well, it's basically a tiny little humbucker. So you're you're just canceling out the uh, the sixty cycle hum, and that's the main purpose for that. However, the magnet structure uh, with the steel blades also provide a much um, higher and a more uh, uh, situation where you can have more articulation and versus the single pole uh, type thing. Well, no, versus the uh, noiseless pickup that he compared it to Fender, and that's a perfect yeah. example. Yeah, and that's a totally different magnet structure and build all together. It's, it's, I mean, they, they do, I, I think some of the models might kind of sound chimey, but not, you don't get the, the highs articulation you do with a, uh, with a rail um, pickup, like a small, because number one, they're, the blades are real close together. And the more, and the closer together you have, you know, a north and a south, a humbucker configuration, the more thin, um, eh, maybe thin's not the best word. Well, but it's it's you're gonna have you're not gonna have as many lows. It's not gonna like a wide range pickup is the complete opposite. Yeah, like a under wide range where the poles are very far apart from each other, even more so than a standard humbucker. Oh, I see. So yeah, if you think about how the structure uh, uh, of the, if you're looking at the top of a wide range, you got the three poles on one side way up in the left, and you got the three on the right way down at the bottom. That's the distance that you're talking about? That's the distance that we're talking about. Gotcha. But, I mean, even with the cover off, it's, you know, it's it's just the the size of the coils and the structure of the pickup itself is and is going to decide the overall frequency response. So you have a high frequency response with, you know, the, the single coil size rail humbuckers that Lindy makes. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of other pickup builders that make these rails, but uh, Lindy Fralin, when he builds a pickup, he does it really well. Yeah. And he's, he's done that forever and he still does rewinds too. Yeah. And that's what he's been known for. Um, but we're going to hear more about him next week. Yeah. Yeah. But, indeed. Uh, there's your, there's your sound difference. So, Thank I you. mean, that makes, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. And, it, yep. it and I, in your I cannot second all of that information. Um, yeah, that's that's exactly correct. They're basically like little mini humbuckers, but they definitely don't sound the same. You know, that uh, magnet structure really and is a really important thing. Yeah, for sure. Lindy, Lindy nailed it with those. Yeah, he's good, man. He's he's good. So as far as let's talk about your overall guitar design. We've spoken a lot about your materials and sort of the some of the choices that you're doing when you're crafting things. Um, what are your some of your early inspirations and have those changed? Are who are you inspired by now? Let's talk about both of those. Sure. So I love all music. Um, so I listen to all types of music. Um, Everything from like world music to hip hop to classic rock, which is kind of my forte. I was kind of bored in the wrong generation. I'm like a huge Beatle fan, you know, love Skinner and the Almond Brothers and Jethro Tull. And so I was born totally in the wrong decade. But uh, yeah, as far as like what inspired me to play guitar, um, gosh, I was actually kind of forced into it. <laughs> uh, my mom had a guitar. My sister played it. 
um, she was going to sell it or somebody had to play it. So I learned how to play it. And uh, I really loved it. The minute that I put it in my hands, I was like, oh, this is really cool. And I would just spend hours and hours playing. Um, my my first real electric guitar was a Gibson Firebird. Oh, yeah, there uh, you go. I got one in uh, 97. It was a 701st one made in the year. And uh, I played that thing at the Guitar Center like every chance I could. They eventually just put it like in the case and put it like behind the <laughs> counter because they knew this kid was just going to come in here and, and play on it. I was the only one who ever looked at it. And uh, I did everything I could to save up for it. It uh, it went on sale. And, uh, yeah, I got it for like 900 bucks, uh, which was amazing. I had like 800 bucks saved up, so like my mom sported the rest. And, That's yeah, cool. I ended up with the Gibson Firebird, which I still own today. So I used to love big guitars. They were my favorite. Like I like big, giant, heavy, <clears throat> like yeah. basic guitars that weren't like super metal because I'm not a super big metal guy. Um, even though I build a lot of metal guitars, like we have a ton of metal artists that buy our guitars. So, um, I do love metal, but it's not my forte. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. So as far as it goes, um, my influences are definitely the old guys. Like I just mentioned, love the Beatles, love Jethro Tull. Love me, the Almond Brothers. Dwayne Almond's probably my favorite guitar player of all time. Well, there's your Firebird. <laughs> yeah, you know it's funny. Um, you know he played a Les Paul, and I hate Les Pauls. I can't. I've owned seven of them, and I've sold every one of them. I just can't. I can't ever get on them. They're not my thing. So I love looking at them though. Woo. Yeah, I think they're probably one of the prettiest guitars ever made. So as far as my uh, modern influences. I love Animals as Leaders. I love Polythia. Um, I love a lot of the new guys on what they're doing. I think they're really uh, progressing guitar in a new way. Mm-hmm. And they get a lot of hate from the old guys, but, man, I sure do love them. I think they're really, really good musicians. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of the things that I'm into these days. Um, I listen to a lot of world music, so you might find me listening to like some Bulgarian folk music or something like that. Well, I mean, yeah. If you get the chance, who wouldn't? <laughs> right? Well, I get fun of if I mention, you know, Gordon Lightfoot, but Gordon Lightfoot's know. great. Uh-huh. I love. I actually was listening to him today. He came up He's, on my mix. I've been listening to him for the last two years, and I can't stop. Yeah. <laughs> He's, He's good. I think not as, not as big hits like his. If you go back to the beginning on YouTube and look for, you mean if you could turn back time. <laughs> 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 he does a great rendition of that. You should look for it. So if I'm a customer or a potential customer that would like to get a hold of you, what is the process like? Do I message you? Do you, I tell you what I'm looking for? Do you have a stock? Are they all custom built? So 99% of the stuff that we do is all custom made per order. Um, and it's done to the customer specs. So most people just message me through Facebook or through Instagram but we also do emails and phone calls and um, things like that. And you can also go on the website and message me that way. But that's a rarity, actually. Most people just contact me through Messenger on, on Facebook huh. or Instagram. And uh, we just uh, start the conversation. Like, what what is your dream guitar? Like, what kind of guitar are you looking for? Um, 
most people will just see one of the guitars that we post mm -hmm. and like that's the guitar that they want yeah, you know, I think um, that's that's not uncommon. I mean, even I make pickguards, and until someone actually sees, you know, what that might look like on their instrument, so I always try to, you know, do some photoshopping and stuff like that if they send me a picture, um, so they can actually see it. Because most people, I don't think, can imagine what something is going to look like. But if they see a, a good craftsman, can help them do that. Yeah, but if you see a, if you you know if you see a picture of it or at least a reasonable facsimile, it makes it a little bit easier. Yeah. Most definitely. And, you know, I don't think a customer should know all this stuff. Like, when I used to play guitar all the time for a living professionally, I didn't know anything about guitars. Like, I knew how to tune it and, like, change my strings and, like, some basic setup stuff. But, like, I didn't know how much work went into building my guitar. I didn't really ever think about that. Um, you know, that's my job as a luthier is to inform you about your options, about where things come from. And, you know, hopefully you gain some knowledge about you know how a guitar works and how much time and effort goes into it yeah so yeah um when we start the process like you know most guys they love the tellies tellies are huge we do a lot of cool amazing tellies eight strings seven string madness um so yeah a guy will see that and he'll be like oh man i really want an eight string telly you posted this black one you know but my favorite color is like blue and purple you know, so we kind of come up with a design and we kind of come up with like all of the hardware and stuff that they want and the pickups and stuff. And then we just kind of give them a rough estimate, make sure that it's something that they're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And then from there, if they're serious and they want to proceed, we'll write them up a uh, uh, like a, an invoice and they can choose to pay it like outright or our shop policy is 50 percent down. 50% upon completion. Um, that just allows us to buy all the materials, all of the hardware and the pickups and everything. And then, um, yeah, or you can make payment plans. You know, we're musicians. Like, you know, I struggled my whole life as a musician. So I don't expect people to not have to, like, really struggle, you know, to buy a custom instrument. Sure, so sure. So the payment plans, you know, are a way to kind of relieve that, that worry. Like, how I really want this, but... Like, I could never afford that. Yeah. You know, but we make it really obtainable. And I really try to keep the prices competitive and, you know, right on par with what you would see, like, a factory guitar go for. So our average price is about $2,400, but guitars started at 1800 That's fantastic, you know? yeah. man. For It's so gratifying yeah. getting something that you um, are working with somebody, whether it's a guitar, an amp, a pedal or whatever, but there's something special about a guitar because that is the closest of all the gear that we have that, that is the, the most, I guess, representative of you as a, as a player. Um, and when you are able to have that made for you, it's, it's like, you know, my, the one that Chase built for me right. is like, I mean, the other guys, there's, there's just no way that those can compare to it. Not necessarily, I, I mean, they, you know, that one is better. I know that for a fact. <laughs> but even if it wasn't, it still has this intangible sentimental connection, not just a value, but a, but an actual connection because I was part of yeah. the build. And then yeah. that was, it's so gratifying, you know, find, figure out a way to get into a handmade guitar if you can. Yeah, it's really cool. It's a cool process for for everybody. 
I mean, not always, you know, like, you know, not, not every luthier matches every client, but, um, you know, it's a fun process. Like, you know, you get sent pictures of like all the stages as they come you know, through the, through the process. And it's really cool to see your, your guitar kind of just magically come together, Yeah. you know? And, um, yeah. And, and I spend a lot of time doing it and I, I try to really focus on what the customer wants. And it's really difficult because I've never met these guys. Most of them are from different states or different countries. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know what their hand looks like or what, you know, profile they like on their neck or, you know, so a lot of those things um, can be really difficult to nail down the first time. But, you know, as a luthier, that's what I'm here for. If we don't get it right the first time, let's try it again, you know, and we'll keep trying until we get it right. So is it primarily, I mean, is it just you in the shop or do you have some help? I do. I have, I have uh, one partner. His name is Austin. Um, he is not like a full-time um, employee um, as he works his own job himself. Right. But, uh, yeah, he's about the only help that I have. I, I do about 80% of the work myself yeah so it's a lot of a lot of hours in the shop yeah i was gonna say yeah. that's but my shop is in my backyard i built um i built a little wood shop just for myself um and it's a place where i can uh, still focus on the kids and still focus on the family um for that's me that's awesome, also man. really important um we have two adopted girls that we adopted through foster care uh we were formerly foster parents for a while um so Kids are like a really important part of my life as well. So I love it. If I we, love it. If I'm not building, I'm I'm hanging out with them. So yeah, and you can bring them in, and <laughs> they can go. start doing the work, and you're you cut back to forty <laughs> percent. Yeah, actually, it's it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, me and my youngest daughter, uh, we're actually doing a really cool ocean guitar with oh, uh, nice with sand and waves and. Uh, We've been working on it for about three days now, and we got about another four days left before we can do any actual guitar work. So oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's it's you been a epoxy, right? it's little... all done with epoxy, yeah, and uh, and that's and so... garden sand. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, and it's just a fun experiment. Um, something that teaches her, well, and it teaches me too. I've never done it, so we're kind of learning together, and it makes it a really fun process. I love it. Well, thanks so much for sharing so much of your story. I mean, I, I know there's more to it, but um, I think you we've given everybody out there who um, hasn't heard you, hasn't heard of Rebirth Guitar Company, um, some interest in those who are familiar, um, you know, just that much more reason to to uh, dig your brand. So um, we we really do appreciate them and appreciate the work that you're doing out there uh, not only just for your customers but for you know you're you're adding to the guitar world and and that's really cool um thank you so much thank you for having me on as well it's been oh yeah an awesome experience no problem um we've got uh, a a little thing that uh we're going to saddle up the el camino we're going to take it for a spin and drive by and grab jared jared you want to you want to go Yep, I do. And while we're traveling in the OL Camino, uh, we're going to play a little game called Would You Wow. That was beautiful. Love it. 
I'm going to give him applause real quick here. (laughs) (laughs) Must have been the enchiladas. (laughs) Yes. Uh, This week's Would You Rather comes from good old Bruce Bacon. I mean, this guy. Bacon. That's right. Not only does he have a tasty last name, but he can spit out the Would You Rathers like nobody else. Absolutely. So this week's Would You Rather is a tribute to the long gone pro guitar shop. We all have seen the fabulous demos that Andy, Martin, and Brett Kingman produced during the heyday of pro guitar shop. Each guitarist has their own guitar style, gear, production, and presentation method. Both are incredible. So would you rather actually become one of them? Who would it be? All right, we're going to kick it off with Tanya, a.k.a. Tony. And uh, we're going to then go to Jared and then over to Lance and then myself. Um, Tony. Well, you know, Todd, yeah. we, we had Brett on. I do. I'm, I know him intimately. <laughs> right on this very podcast. Yes. Brett and, Kingman. Uh, Brett Kingman. And I think... I, I mean, I liked what he had to say about the, the you know, the things that he's doing. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess I'm more familiar with him. I, you know, my apologies to Andy, but I think I'm going to be Brett for a day. Dig it. Dig it. That's me. That's, that's me choice. Okay. All right. Jared? Brett. Good call. Good call. Can you expound upon that? I like his name. <laughs> my, my older brother's name's Andy. But Andy used to beat me up when we were kids. <laughs> That's fair enough. That's fair enough. So, Brett Kingman. It's I'm a hard thing. They're, they're, they're both so they, talented. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, they they are, are, different styles, but yeah. yeah. Keep calm and rock on. That's um. Uh, how about Lance? You know, I don't have enough information on this subject to give a qualified answer. So I'm going to play the politician and say they are both equal and awesome. He's going to be Brandy. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, nice. yeah, so, you know, as we mentioned, bo- uh, these are names that are s- super well-known in our community. Um, Andy Martin, who's now been, you know, he, he's been doing all the demos for uh, for uh, Reverb for a long time now. Um, he's the guy without a pick. Uh, he plays a really weird finger style and is able to be super articulate with his thumb and his forefinger together like he had a pick, but there is no pick. It's pretty remarkable. Um, and uh, multi-instrumental, the, the whole nine yards. Um, and then Brett, of course, we had on the show. And he's touring musician, loads of gear, loves the gear, lots of different styles. I think he focuses a, a little... Uh, quite heavily on, on like just like straight up rock um, and he can get a little bit more experimental with stuff I'm going to go with I'm going to make it unanimous I'm going with Brett here semi-unanimous anyways because Lance is on neutral island which I understand <laughs> um, Switzerland only guests can do that yeah um, I, I really like um, I like Brett's attack on things honestly with with the, with the guitar and um, uh I, yeah, I just kind of I gravitate a little bit more towards him. Um, not not taking any way anything away from Andy, of course. And uh, but Bruce, that was a great question. I think it was a it's a 
a very hard question. I think we are a little bit biased because Brett was on our show and he was a great dude. Yeah. Um, so thank you for sending those in. And, and seriously, like he sent that in at like one in the morning. And uh, it's I love the fact that he's thinking about guitar stuff and our show and you, the audience, on how to entertain you. You know, uh, that's really cool. So thank you so much, Bruce. Um, Brucey. As Brett might say. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyways, Tony, we got a couple people to thank. That is right, Todd. Because at this point of the show, we like to thank a very special group of people. These are our executive producers. Now, somebody out there might be wondering, what is an executive producer? I think Lance was just about to ask that. Lance, were you just about to ask that? Can you please inform me on what an executive producer does and what their job title is? Well, I, yeah. I'm glad you asked that because executive producers make this show possible. How do you become one? Very simple. Go over to uh, patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs and check out a couple different levels in which you can participate, become a sponsor, a patron of this very podcast. Mm. Each level sure. comes with a wonderful thank you gifts. Lots but, of them. Yeah, I mean, there's lots. I mean, trust me. Just check it out for yourself. Mm -hmm. But there's one thing more as an executive producer, and what is that, Jared? You get to have your name read on the thing. Your name read on the thing, and that's what I'm going to do right now. So special thanks to these executive producers. Moon Guitars, Vader and Pedals, Drew Lopez, John Halverson, Rick Calhoun, Trevor Gunberg, Elad Mizrahi, Mike D, Richard Kendall, Mark Garton, Matt Hart, James White, Justin Jones, Anthony Gemalero, Bill Gola Guitars, John Esterly, Anthony Lathrop, Stefan Lamb, Michael Sinchuk, Ken Sayers, Doug Christ, Darren Gregory, John Anglin, Tom Barazin, Rusty Sneeden, Ralph Gottschalk from Wonderful Audio Technology. What? What? Don Kloss, Gregory Randall, Brett Hogarth, Eric Hammer, and Stuart George. Thank you. Indeed. But Todd, you know, yeah, but we have a special, special group of executive producers. I knew you were going to say that. We like to call them our grand poobas. Mm-hmm. Just had two of them on in the last two episodes. I think I remember that. Yeah. One of the biggest benefits of being a Grand Pooba is you have a fez that you wear upon your head. Yeah. Well, listen. And, and, an even, and even more stuff. And even more stuff. Stuff, you just can't believe the yeah. stuff. The stuff is there. So special, special, special thanks to these Grand Poobas. Tommy Manasco, Ricardo, Ricardo, no, Ricardo Igreda. Yes. David Kaminga, Brandon Wound Pickups, Hex Matos, Michio Murakishi, Bob Crouch, Jack Cadian, Sam Jett, Tyler Rines, LSJ Music Company, John Williams, James Pennington, Adam Johnson, Steve Keys, Cody Foster, Science of Sound, Brian Robison, Jonathan Jeruzic, Corey Nigro, Michael Van Zant, Tim Nowak, Jonathan Daly, Martin Cliff, Sean S. 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 
and Eddie Serratos and David Poe. Yes, yes. He 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 uh, got the the extra pass and migrated on up to the Grand Poobah Suite. Yes, we really love that. Thank you all Thank so you. much. It it truly means so much to us, and it and it does help us out incredibly. Um, we want to thank our friend Lance Gregory from Rebirth Guitar Company. Thank you for joining our show tonight, my man. Thank you for having me. This was an awesome experience. Good. Glad to hear it. Tell your friends about it. <laughs> yeah. I most definitely will. I only have like two. But <laughs> well, that's two more than it. we have now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, uh, we just want to make sure that everybody out there has a fantastic guitar week. Thank you so much for listening to our show. And subscribe! Oh, yeah. <laughs> video killed the radio star. I, 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 I think you're you're calling from a, a 1920s uh, record player gramophone. <laughs> Did you? Well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs visit our website at theguitarknobs.com for all of our past episodes four on the floor blog and other good stuff you can connect with us on social too at our facebook page and share your gear and stories on our facebook group also be sure to check out our instagram at guitar knobs catch you next time